Hey everyone, welcome to episode 146 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Mortal lives are brief, immortals live long and hard, yet both are empty. <laughs> and Tori? Sup? Sorry, Tori Wassana. Wassana. I fluffed my lines there, sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> you, you, skip rehearsal. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, this week uh, we've got updates about uh, Kronos before the Ashes. We have some Animal Crossing news to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Kingdoms of Amalurie Reckoning, which hit Switch this last week. And we're going to talk about Stubbs the Zombie. So uh, yeah, let's get right on with the updates from the previous episodes. <laughs> Okay, just the one update this week, and that's from me. Uh, Kronos Before the Ashes, uh, I've beat it since last week's episode. I left last week's episode pretty positive on it, but, you know, with the condition that I was still fairly early on in it. And I did come across some uh, criticisms, some big, some small, uh, that I wanted to get across. Um, So the first big problem I had was uh, the first proper boss's arena. It's a uh, big, long rectangular room and for no reason whatsoever or for reasons the game decided not to communicate you cannot use the right side of the room it's like an invisible wall took me ages to figure that out uh like i was trying to dodge and my character just would not move where i wanted them to uh that caused a couple of problems with the camera as well where it pushed the camera right up against my character's back where he was blocking most of the screen and i couldn't see the boss's tells uh, so that was kind of annoying, but I, I got him eventually. Another thing was I talked about the the traits that you get when you die a certain number of times. Every time you die, you age a year, and you're meant to get traits for every uh, for every decade. So age twenty, you get a trait. Age thirty, you get a trait. Or do you? So my age twenty trait did not pop. Uh, I was like age 24 and I couldn't figure out if it was just like a story thing I'd missed or if if it had actually bugged out and yes sadly it had bugged out and the other traits afterwards did pop but each time a new one came in it did tell me that it was the age 21 which was just constantly bothering me every time I I got a new ability so that was frustrating Uh, and sadly the other thing was the magic system I talked about last week which the game tells you is tied in with the aging process as in the older you get, the wiser you get, and therefore more skilled at magic you get, is a bit of a lie. The aging only affects the cost of magic stats, not your range of abilities, um, which was mega disappointing because the the game sells it a certain way. The way it explains it made it sound like I would be drastically changing my playstyle as my character aged, and yeah, that never played out. I was just still hitting things with swords. In these sorts of games, in Souls-likes, I'm usually a strength build guy anyway so it it didn't really impact me but you know I was looking forward to being forced to think about the genre in a different way uh, and that never played out Um, and in one of the areas there's a there's like a lot of foliage and it you know behaves a bit weirdly and I don't think it's to do with uh, the switch or the the power of the switch or anything it's just weirdly bugged in this version Um, so the foliage will be there it'll flicker in and out uh, sometimes it'll only be there if you if you pan the camera so you're looking behind your character. All kinds of weird and wonderful things, but uh, the, it's stuff that's on the periphery, so uh, you know when, once you're in the full swing and enemies are in your face, you're not really noticing it. There were some positives I didn't get to talk about last week because I hadn't got to them, but uh, this game features a lot of Resident Evil-style puzzles, which was really neat. I'm talking, you know, finding items, combining them with other items, plugging weird looking keys into specific 
like uh, door holes and stuff. I use the phrase door hole purposely there, <laughs> not keyhole. Um, and yeah, and that leads to some really interesting uses of the environments that you don't typically typically get in this genre. Um, some of them are just absolutely for wow factor, so I won't spoil them because they were pretty cool when they came up. Yeah, that, that was really neat. I hadn't even considered uh, an entry in this sort of genre with these sorts of puzzles. There was one that stumped me for a while. You know those um, like 3 by 3 block sliding puzzles? where you have to rearrange the picture. I love them. I hate them. Oh, man. There's, there's like three you need to do, and the first first two I got perfect. Third one was just, ah, uh, yeah. That that took me longer than the final boss. So, <laughs> uh, I just suck at that uh, lateral uh, puzzle solving thing. But overall, I enjoyed it. The setting was fun. The locations were good. I enjoyed the variation in combat. Sorry, I mean the with the enemies rather than the abilities. Uh, the combat is solid enough if a bit stodgy compared to other uh, genre stablemates. I definitely stand by last week's claim that it's a good option for uh, newcomers to the genre, even with its problems. I you know, I had worried that the, the trait I was missing was going to end up being essential, but I, I, I beat it well before the, the death limit. And uh, so just generally speaking, it's easier than uh, most other games in this genre. So could be worth a look for newcomers who are interested but put off by the uh, the overwhelming chat about difficulty in Dark Souls, which uh, is, is not what it seems. But uh, Yeah, so that's Kronos. Started strong, bugged out a little, and got a bit annoying at times, but overall, fairly decent. Okay, so with that, let's uh, move on to the latest Switch news. Okay, the only bit of Switch news we've got this week is that it's uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons one-year anniversary, which uh, they've celebrated in game with a cake andrew i've seen you've been playing it again recently i don't think you ever stopped really no i play it every day for half an hour to an hour yeah i dropped out a couple of months ago and i i nearly came back for the mario stuff but like just the thought of logging in felt like a chore so i i, I think i'm done and i don't see myself coming back now i played it every day for like eight months and then the second i had that break it was like a relief as much as I enjoyed it, and I don't regret my time with it, I just I just had that relief sensation. Uh, Tori, are you still playing it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to come back for the Mario stuff. Like, the pipe actually looks like a useful tool, but then I'd be playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> um, you come back after a break, it punishes you for taking time off, and I think that's its biggest thing, is that, you know, there's weeds everywhere, and it kind of complains that there's weeds everywhere. I don't know. It's just... I would like to hire a villager to take care of that if I'm if I'm taking a break, you know. Exactly. You could actually do that in the 3DS. Yeah. Version. <laughs> and then on the 3DS version, you come back and half your villagers have moved out. <laughs> yeah. Some of them hate you. I don't know. It's it's hard to get back in once you've taken a break. Like it really does rely on that sort of daily momentum. Mm-hmm. That's that. <laughs> Not much interesting in the way of news. Uh, so let's move on to the things we've been playing. Okay, Tori, we're going to start with you because you've been playing Stubbs the Zombie and this is a game that uses the Halo engine yeah. from the original release and we're all interested in seeing how that plays out on Switch. So I'm not. <laughs> I definitely uh, am. It works. Um, I haven't really encountered any major hitches or anything. I'd be very surprised 
if there were for a, a game engine that old, like 20 years old, but you can definitely notice it on things like the tiling textures. The, the thing that I wanted to talk about with this game was less about the game specifically, just about that era of game design is so bizarre. <laughs> I don't know how to like fit this into a genre. There was just like a, an era of video games where nothing really fit into genres. You know, like during that 8-bit and 16-bit era, the, you know, it wasn't unreasonable to expect the game to be a platformer. Like in some... <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. Like when something wasn't a platformer, you're like, oh, this is new. This is like the early days. It's not a platforming game. It's just that era of, oh, we can make games in 3D now, but I don't have any specific or coherent ideas or focused ideas on what to do in 3d you play as Stubbs the zombie rebel without a pulse uh and it, the setting is this 1950s retro futurism vibe which is one of my favorite aesthetics is that you know 1950s cars that hover off the ground and there were all these illustrators in the 1950s 1960s that just drew futuristic ideas but they only knew the aesthetic of the time mm -hmm. so everything looks art deco or it's got chrome trim or you know that sort of vibe to it when i was in middle school we had national geographics from decades in the past in our classroom and one of them was from like the 1950s and had pictures of like these moon colonies that were all glass domes <laughs> yeah. and flying cars and everything and it said this is what life in space is going to be like in the 1980s and that was in 1998 or something yeah. like that that was pretty funny <laughs> i really like the idea of taking like the 1950s idea of what the future would look like and just making fun of it uh, futurama did the same thing it's it's that style of humor as well if you can mm -hmm. call it humor I don't think it's held up after 20 years. Um, a lot a lot of it's just... It's not bad writing. It's just that sort of humor of the, the first joke that went in, came into your head. And they wrote that down and they just never went back to it before they went to voice recording. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of humor. I don't really know if there is a story per se. Each level just seems to be stubs going through infecting humans so you can sneak up behind them and eat their brains and then you've got a zombie pal and you can collect a whole bunch of zombie pals and i kind of compared it to pikmin but it's such a loose comparison because it's basically just now you have zombie friends and you can kind of tell them where to go but there's no tasks to do it's just moving through a level um eventually you go up against police who are armed but it gives you an ability where you can throw your arm and your arm um, possesses, say, a cop and they've got a gun. Mm -hmm. So now you can run around with a gun and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's just this really unfocused game. It's just a game. It, it sounds like one of those where they just threw every idea at the wall and just did everything. Yeah. But it's also, it's it's got that unfocused level design as well, where it just... It's set in a city, right? A lot of video games would come up with some way to kind of narrow down the play space to just what's necessary. And that can be invisible walls if it's a really bad game, or it can be level design and art direction to kind of focus you into where the action is. Mm -hmm. But the very first area that you go to is this gigantic town square, and you don't need to have that much space. It's almost like 
going into like a Gary's mod map or something. <laughs> it's just somebody's made a loose interpretation of a town square and there aren't even people there. There's no reason to go to all these spaces. <laughs> it's just there and they couldn't think of a way to, to lock it in into a smaller space. So they just didn't. In that regard, playing this game has been kind of like unearthing a time capsule of game design of just seeing all of the games that you've played recently and comparing it to how they thought games should be designed 20 years ago. Ultimately, it is fun. It's fun just going through the levels. You've got these abilities like you can literally throw your guts out like grenades. You can tear your head off and bowl it like a bowling ball and then that explodes. It kills a whole bunch of people at once <laughs> but it's unfocused it, it feels much more like a sandbox style game i was actually really surprised that they even had a vehicle section and i feel like they were di- they were like we're using the halo engine halo's got vehicles in it we got to use a vehicle <laughs> <laughs> so you're driving around this gigantic greenhouse with this vehicle that, i don't know what sod specifically refers to as a substance i assumed it was like fertilizer it's grass it's long yeah well you're just shooting sod at cops for like a solid 10 minutes (laughs) in this hovercraft. So it's kind of like almost genre hops, but it's not really a genre. It's just kind of shaking up the formula for like a a brief moment. There's a dancing mini game where you're dancing against um, the police chief. Uh, I really liked how the, it's like a Simon Says sort of mini game, but I liked how the Mm. colors were oriented in a certain way that matches the Xbox face buttons, like A, B, X, Y, uh, green, red, blue and yellow mm-hmm. and that's not the case on switch yep <laughs> i knew where you were going with it <laughs> it was even if you had like the snes colors it wouldn't match for the price that it is i don't know if i'd recommend it i don't know why i got it i was just morbidly curious about the halo engine running on switch mm-hmm. uh it runs on switch it's fine they could technically port the original halo over i don't know about the anniversary edition but they could they could port the original Halo over if they really wanted to. You know, unless you're really curious like me, I'd I'd give it a miss probably. Yeah, it sounds uh, like an interesting one. Just a really weird game. I'm pretty sure it's like Western developed, but it sounds like it'd be a Suda Fifty One idea. Like when you're describing it, I reckon if Suda Fifty One got it, at least it would be a bit more focused. Yeah, like the original No More Heroes has an entire world map that you can drive across and you don't need to, but this feels empty compared to that even Mm -hmm. i don't know what it's trying to be it's fun but it's not memorable yeah that's a shame um we have had like a a decent spate of uh like xbox era games hitting the switch recently haven't we all the star warsy ones we've got republic commando coming soon as well i'm looking forward to that one yeah okay well we'll move on and (laughs) we'll get on to kingdoms of amala re-reckoning uh, this is a port of a Xbox 360 PS3 era fantasy game. It was originally published by EA, but has ended up with THQ Nordic in all those uh, franchise uh, musical chairs that uh, happened sort of at the beginning of last gen. Where to start? This is a this is an interesting game. Um, just it, talking behind the scenes, me and Andrew have come at it from completely different angles, which uh, I think speaks volumes to the either the balance or the lack of balance that they've achieved. This is a stock fantasy in a, a lot of ways. Uh, it's written by R.A. Salvatore, who wrote a lot of the, the D&D fiction. One of the lead designers was on Skyrim. So there's a whole lot of, you know, knowledgeable fantasy 
uh, RPG people involved in this. So you play a character that died uh, in the middle of a war, uh, brought back to life. Uh, the war is between mortals and immortals, which are like a new type of uh, fae, which are this game's like elven species. And they basically, they're trying to bring people back to life as a way to combat the immortal forces. Uh, you're there on the successful experiment, uh, and then you escape, and then you get out into the world, and it's, you know, it's it follows a typical RPG structure. You'll run around, you'll get quests, you'll go off, do things to get stronger. There's heaps of side stuff to do and investigate, lots to find in the world. When you start the game, uh, you uh, have no specific class. You get to decide that as you want, as you level up. You can equip any weapon you want at any time. Uh, when you level up, you get to uh, spend a whole bunch of points. There's like your your skills, like lockpicking or stealth, that you can uh, improve. Then you get to pick where you put your class points, so you can spread them across. You know, might, which is your warrior class stuff. There's magic, which is your your mage stuff. And then you get to pick a destiny, which is basically your your class, and you can uh, upgrade that by spending the points in the specific skill trees. Now, Andrew, you started off as a rogue, but then you respect. No, I just flat out restarted because I did not enjoy being a rogue. Ah, okay. And I'd already wasted some of my skill points in the rogue skill skill tree. Uh, as I do in all fantasy games, I always go big guy with swords. So I'm I'm doing a might build, which means big sword, shields, heavy armor, all that sort of stuff. Now, uh, combat. Uh, it's very fluid, simple uh, in a lot of ways, but very fun. It's like quite quick paced. You you'll get a group of mobs around you. Like yeah, you, especially as a melee character, you can just go to town on them. Um, like it's it's even got a, a juggle <laughs> mechanic if you're just constantly smashing them with swords, which is fun. Sounds like you need to turn the difficulty up. Yeah, it does seem very easy, and I am on not. Yeah, because that was why I quit playing as a rogue because I was the one getting juggled. If there was more than <laughs> one enemy fighting me, I was basically already dead. Yeah, I'm 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 on normal difficulty. I assume you're playing on hard because that's what you usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, at the moment I'm just a powerhouse. Uh, the only time I've struggled is when I've come across uh, some of the magical creatures there's a quest where there's three of them that gank you at once which was interesting i I nearly ran out of healing items and just had to ride my luck a little bit um interestingly if you play as a might class you're not locked out of doing any magic i i have like a electricity skill uh and i'm thinking i'll probably get more but that might just mean i need to invest into the the magic tree somewhere to unlock more stuff there and there's also the the fate mechanic have you used that much not really but that's just me like uh i might need it later (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i'm just bad at using those kind of abilities and then i suffer for it where i'm like this game is too hard it's like well it's because you're not using your special abilities (laughs) it's like yeah but i might need that later (laughs) yeah i have i'm I'm terrible it, it keeps telling me to use it but i'm saving it for a boss um and basically what happens is you build you build up a meter you'll hit both triggers at the same time and you it's kind of like fantasy bullet time really isn't it you can run around at a higher speed with higher power and just hit the crap out of everything i've only used it once so i haven't really got my head around what strategy that would be useful for because you know with with the swords i'm also just smashing anything anyway um and now that i think uh, about it it gives an experience boost when you kill multiple enemies with it ah, so okay. the best time it seems to be used it is not against bosses but against large groups of mm, enemies good call yeah. uh, and you get you get that uh fate like 
killing quick time event. You get that with bosses anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there, there's no point in saving it. Yeah, that's a good point. But actually, I just thought the reason I'm finding it so easy might also come down to the DLC, which we'll we'll cover shortly. Port performance. Uh, no one was really talking about this before it released, so I was expecting it to be a trash fire. But overall, I've been very impressed. It runs very smoothly. I've had no frame rate hiccups. Uh, I couldn't tell you if it's running at 30 or 60. If I had to hazard a guess, I'd say probably 30 just because it's the Switch. But uh, we have had mixed experiences. So you, you noticed the the oily glow, uh, which I didn't notice because I've not looked at any other version of the game. But from your description, it sounded like it was consistent with other games of that era. But uh, yeah, you've looked at other versions and it's, it's definitely a port thing. The sluggish dialogue prompts... Uh, you mentioned is that when you're you're picking a decision yeah some like a quarter of the time you'll be doing a mass effect style like dialogue wheel Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time you're just picking a selection from a list Uh, i'm assuming this was dating from when the game was made and mass effect had just come out and was a big deal and i thought hey we should do Mm -hmm. that but only as much as we're able to, which uh, has mixed results. <laughs> but the Mass Effect style wheels, I sometimes have to hit the button four or five times before it will actually confirm the thing I'm pointing at. Yes, I have had that. The The surprising thing was good loading times. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, I've been impressed by the loading times as well. But weirdly, world fast travel seems to go quicker than indoor-outdoor transitions. I found that weird. I find that there are indoor trends indoor outdoor transitions at all kind of distressing mm-hmm. but that, that was how the game was made <laughs> but uh this this the way we've been describing it so far you may be thinking of this as kind of like a, a typical sandbox game where you're in a map in a giant square it's not like that mm-hmm. at all the, the world design is a lot more like like mass effect which we mentioned or like twilight princess it's it's a big designed uh curated area that's been created with like one entrance and one exit into each area and every area is connected by a lot of different narrow tunnels or valleys or passages or however they work that connect into a wider area that has an irregular shape Mm -hmm. so it's from that era of design and i appreciate seeing it back yeah um i also I'm, i'm getting like a strong mmo vibe from the level design not sure why i think it's just those like um thin paths that lead to you know bigger areas and you know some of the the early side missions are very uh you know kill 10 of this collect 10 of that um that sort of thing now this isn't port specific i wouldn't have thought but the camera I had a couple of problems with, so um, I was getting migraine symptoms every time I started playing it, uh, and I managed to alleviate that by turning off auto-follow, because the game will swing the camera around behind your character whenever you move forward, Uh, and I also had to turn camera smoothing right down, because it made it like really weirdly heavy, and that was giving me some sort of uh, mental disconnect compared to more modern third-person cameras. Uh, you also had a problem with uh, migrainey sensations after playing it portably. Yeah, but I just get migraines sometimes, so I can't really say if that was actually from the game. But since you got it too, mm-hmm. it could be related. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the first 
video game I've ever played that I can think of where I've actually had to turn the default camera sensitivity down because like I was just barely nudging the right joystick there and the camera was flying. <laughs> it was like, whoa, slow down, buddy. <laughs> and it's so heavy too as well. Like the, the like you'll stop pressing it and the swing will just keep going, um, which I've been able to alleviate a little. But yeah, I'm, I'm also like uh, an occasional migraine sufferer, just, you know, generally. Um, and when I stopped playing, the symptoms would go, but it was definitely like that same sensation like that i would get when a new one was coming so yeah that that was mm. that was interesting that we both got that well my migraines when they come they just stay until i go to sleep usually and that was that was the experience i had so i'm guessing my migraine was unrelated to the game yeah, okay. which which is good because i don't want to have to <laughs> have severe pain in my my temple I, I used to get those like week-long ones where i just would have to cry in bed for four days before they would disappear not fun Oh, I'm so grateful I don't have those. At least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most I get is like you know, like two days or something. Uh, this version re-reckoning includes all the DLC. Now I think the DLC is the reason why there was a locked chest in the opening village that had a bunch of bonus equipment and weapons in it. That's my guess. That that's uh, that's cool, uh, but uh, you get so little space to uh, carry space to begin with um that i had a bunch of stuff from the opening like training dungeon uh, and i could not carry everything that was in this dlc chest and i could not compare the items with each other only with what was in my inventory so i wasn't able to tell what was good for my character or for my build without like dumping stuff and then getting the new stuff and dumping what i didn't need and it just took forever to to manage my way through the this dlc armor uh so i i kind of wanted to keep it all just in case i wanted to you know experiment a bit but i couldn't i had to sell whatever wasn't really might focused and uh yeah i stuck with the shepherd set which is a mass effect armor which now exists in a thq nordic game uh, obviously, the original publisher was EA, so they, you know, they did some things to tie it in with Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age. You know, just cheeky little nods. So in this, it's called the Shepherd Set. I have no idea if that's what it was called originally, uh, but he looks pretty fly in his fake N7 armor. Just on the EA thing, when this game originally released, uh, Australian PR put out a call for interviewing Sean Bean. Uh, so funny thing, I'd not been tracking the development, and I knew actor Sean Bean had starred in Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. And this was a fantasy game, so it would make sense to me that he might be doing a voice in it. So apparently I and lots of other writers made the same mistake and inundated them with requests for this interview. Uh, turned out it was a developer with the same name as Sean Bean and uh, probably felt a bit rejected after that. But <laughs> With the, the loot stuff, so you can actually buy backpacks to Im improve your, you know, your character storage and you'll also get a storage locker when you get houses um i don't think you buy these from what i read you get houses from doing quests uh in different you know in the different cities like usually i love micromanaging my my gear in rpgs like i love getting elbow deep in the menus and comparing stats and deciding what i want and but like most of the loot here i've had so far is garbage so i'm hoping that will improve and also because i'm carrying so much of it i've never been in a convenient spot to sell it and make money and get use from it i've had to trash it to make you know just to get rid of it to get something i did actually want to carry with me do you have any problems with that or 
found any frustrations under if i'm not going to use it i don't pick it up yeah that that's where i've settled now but i was like oh i can sell this later and then no no you can't because you need to, to get rid of it i'm in half a mind as to whether you know using the dlc armor is actually what's making the game easier for me you can use it at level one so the the bar for entry is very low and they're incredibly powerful certainly more so than anything you pick up in the early game um so maybe that's why statistically i did find like a a regular set item that's part of a a broader set and if you complete the entire set of items then you get bonuses Mm -hmm. and that item didn't seem too different from what's available in that dlc chest okay so they are more powerful certainly but i think most of the extra power that we're both feeling from it are just from those set bonuses yeah and i i'm pretty sure these items are going to be outclassed in in the in the fairly near future but i I do regret taking my Mm -hmm. mage gear out of that chest and the only reason i did was because i i I did by accident so i was like oh oh fine yeah (laughs) i'll I'll use it for a little while but uh, i think when i come back to this i'm gonna i'm gonna start over again and uh not use that stuff so i can experience the game's difficulty as it's meant to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) meant to be seen not with a what was either a pre-order bonus or a uh, basically an early version of a microtransaction? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I definitely think that is helping me. And I've, you know, I've I've played a good chunk, and I haven't hit any gear that I've wanted to swap it for yet. So, um, certainly the weapons, I've 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 found better weapons since, but not in terms of the armor or anything. Now, the the other thing was, uh, so you you've come across with this as you feel it's more in depth than you were expecting it. So now you're going to make it one of your um, like temple games for a weekend, for weekend playing later down the line. Yeah, like we talked about this in last week's episode about how long the game was. It's 30 to 100 hours, depending upon how much of the content you did. So like I knew that it was, you know, a big open world RPG. And yet I was thinking it would be something that's like, oh, I'll just play it over a few days and I'll finish it. I don't know why I had that idea in my head. <laughs> but no, this is something I'm going to have to stop and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to come after it after Bravely Default too to really pay attention to it. Because for games like this, I, I need to play them for hours at a time. So those are the games I play on weekends because it, it's not just something I can just sit in for an hour. Like if, if I'm going to play it, I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. So another thing we've come in at opposite ends is uh, that I feel like the pace is incredibly fast, which I am enjoying a lot. Uh, you're taking a more uh, slower, m- methodical uh, approach to that. So, uh, you know, there's no right way to play a game. You play it however you want. I think I'm just in that RPG uh, rhythm of, you know, talking to people who will give me quests and just focusing on that. Um, whereas you're, I talked to everybody and I did every dialogue prompt, even if they said the exact same thing that the person right next to them (laughs) said. And I also think that your experience will change if you turn the difficulty up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to see how I go. Um, once I get a bit further in, like, I've got a couple of quests where it says, you know, level 10 plus, uh, and I'm waiting to see, I, I don't know if I'm still in that, you know, in training wheels phase and it's just being kind to me um but in terms of the length like i i've done a i haven't done a story mission since leaving that training dungeon um and i've done a bunch of side quests and i looked at a list of all the side quests and i I reckon i've done at least a quarter of them already so the way i'm playing it, i feel like i can 
get through it fairly quickly. I'm definitely not going to have it done this week. Not a chance. Uh, not before Monster Hunter. Yeah, I just think with the the way the game is built as well, I'm going to find this an easy one to dip in and dip out of if I have to. Like, I don't feel like the mechanics are complex where I'm going to forget things uh, if I drop it for a few months. The, the simplicity to it, to the combat and everything helps a lot and the rest of it is just built around you know uh well-worn rpg systems you know in terms of how you get your quests following the markers exploring the maps getting loot yeah it, it feels it feels like a really just friendly rpg and it's also like the story stuff i i i, I can almost certainly say that i'm not paying as close attention to the story as you are if you're talking to everyone to get every bit of information but it, the the stuff it does is the perfect kind of fantasy nonsense to play while you're reading lord of the rings which is something i'm doing it's just a, a light fantasy adventure that uh you know ties in with the other thing i'm enjoying which is is kind of cool yeah uh overall uh i kind of wish i'd played it originally but this this switch port is very good um and uh, a great way to play it i think when i was in the first dungeon uh and doing like the quests immediately outside of the first dungeon with the with your other survivors from the the calamity that happens inside there i was like this is like a, a really like a four star three star game you know it's like a three star game that's just so good you like it anyway uh but I, i'm my esteem for it is growing as i'm seeing as as it's expanding and as all the the things that there are to do in it are starting to reveal themselves uh this is exactly the kind of game I like to see ported to Switch. Like it's not it was nobody's game of the year the year it came out and it's been largely forgotten and you know it did get PS4 and Xbox One ports last year, but this is the kind of game that I want to see on the Switch in the future, you know, bring back these mostly forgotten games, which is actually kind of what THQ Nordic has specialized in lately. Like they they brought Dark Siders to Switch as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm down for this game. I, I It's janky. Like, it's not perfect. Uh, it it was forgotten for a reason, but uh, I'm glad it's back. Uh, yeah, so that is Kingdoms of Amalur. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? As if we didn't know, Tori, we'll start with you. I'll get to the obvious one at the end, but right now I'm still working my way through all the Resident Evil games. Um... I did skip over six because my co-op partner was just not feeling it, but I think I might try on my own just to see if I can find some fun in there. It's not nearly as obnoxious to play solo as Resident Evil 5 mm-hmm. was. It, yeah, it, Resident Evil 5 felt like it was designed as a co-op game. Six feels like it was designed as a game and then added co-op to it. I think that's a safe guess. Especially yeah. with Ada's story, which I think specifically was that way. It was single player, and then they added an unnamed character for co-op. Uh, and Ada's, for me, was literally the worst. Yeah, we started on the worst one, <laughs> then. <laughs> um, oh. I forgot that I forgot that in the new versions you can play as Ada's right from the start, because in the base game, in the original release, you had to unlock that. Yeah. So I should have warned you about Ada's, too. That chronologically takes place even later than Leon's, you should not have played hers. <laughs> no, we, we switched to playing Chris's first, and we just felt like it was a third-person shooter. Like, we might as well be playing Gears of War or something. There were a lot of complaints that Chris's campaign was basically just Call of Duty, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's just like I felt like I've played this before. 
Anyway, I'll be working my way through them and maybe the Revelations games as well, hoping that my copy of Monster Hunter Rise arrives on time on Friday, which apparently it won't. It will arrive on the Monday afterwards. Oof. Your criteria for going digital or physical is so weird and I don't understand it. I'm going physical this time because I want the amiibo. Um, Fair. I usually go digital for for this reason, but yeah, it's it's Amazon. What can you do? Uh, Andrew? Uh, Monster Hunter Rise for me too. So for me, Monster Hunter Rise, when it, when it launches, I have gone digitally with this one. Uh, just because of the type of game it is. But in the meantime, I will be continuing with uh, Amala, uh, and I'm probably going to start Sinner Sacrifice for Redemption this week. Uh, Surprise, surprise, it's another Souls-like, but with a twist. Uh, And I will hopefully talk about that next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of In Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X, for coverage of PlayStation and Xbox releases. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with our lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon, and the details for both things are on our website. Thank you in advance. This episode was edited by Andy Corgan, and you can follow him on Twitter at FlameRoastToast. I am at Play Critically, and you can read my long-form reviews at playcritically.com. And our third co-host is Tori, and you can follow her on Twitter at Stu2. That's S-T-W-T-W-O.
Like literally, it was just long silence. Then you came back and you said, "Do you agree with what I just said?" <laughs> I think I think you should just say yes. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. Uh, I'm gonna take the path of caution and say no. <laughs> so we're both right. <laughs> no, we're <Yeah>. not. <laughs> okay, then I'm right. 